teaching this morning, not so much preaching, bringing the word. And I don't feel that I need to pray again because we've been worshipping the Lord and prayed before the service. And I'm picking it up and looking at a chapter in Scripture, Joshua. The last book, the last chapter in the book of Joshua is chapter 24, where they've gone through a whole lot of stuff and God required them to renew their covenant with him because they were beginning to enter a new season in the promised land, which had taken a while for that to be established. So we're going to pick it up there, just go back a little bit. I just want to fill in and tell you that at this time, Joshua the man was, the Bible says, old and well advanced in years. Now, in biblical times, you think, oh, was he about 900? No, he actually died at 110. So we have people living today. Um, there was an actor, Kirk Douglas, who died in 103 a few days ago. So people are living nearly to that age now. So, But anyway, the Lord said that he was um, old and advanced in years. That's what it says in the Bible. And so a long time in his life had passed. And they had conquered along the way. And as I say, it was a new season. And at that time, the Lord had given Israel rest. You know how they did war after war, conquering, finding the mind of God? And they were at rest at this time. And they had parceled out the land with all the tribes of Israel. And um, God had fought for Israel. They knew this. But now was a time for them to actually reestablish and really dig into God. So in chapter 23, which is, we do have a slide, slide two, Joshua actually says to the people, as I say, I'm teaching today, so click on your, your ears of learning today. I'm not going to be so much as inspiring and shouting and preaching. Okay. <laughs> That's for another day. All right. So Joshua said, now I'm about to go the way of all the earth, guaranteed for every one of us. There was a day we were born and there will be a time that, that we die. I just want to bring up something which is current news, and that is that beautiful family that love the Lord, that lost three children. And just can we just stop for a second and as a church just pray for them? Because their testimony and their witness is astounding in, in the climate that we're living in today. A little bit of background about their clan was that in the ninth century, they actually fled from a part of Syria into Lebanon in the ninth century. And their clan, I can't remember the name of the man now, it's gone out of my head, but they still call themselves by the name of the leader in the ninth century. It's that clan. And isn't it amazing, I'm saying this, that from the ninth century to now, these people are totally in love with Jesus. I thought even in that was just amazing. And so these people have lost four children from uh, um, their family, but they know that they know that they're in heaven. Um, it, it meant a lot to me because I looked at the ages of their kids, and Tim and I had six kids, and it's exactly the same ages. So it was like we had lost Sarah, Michael, and Jonathan and just had the, I mean, you personalize it to make it real. And so, oh my goodness, what these people have gone through, but their trust and faith and saying that every day is a day closer to the day that they'll be back with their kids in heaven. Oh, guys, listen up. That's faith. I just, it's, it's got to be supernatural. So can we just do, spend one, uh, sort of a half a minute and just to pray for that family? Diane, you're a, a prayer warrior. Can you please just stand up and we all agree with you? That would be great. Thank you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay. So Joshua was going to go the way of the earth. And he says to the people, you know, with all your heart and soul, 
that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And there were a lot of promises and a lot of time along the way where they didn't really believe God much. And he had to take them on a long journey, preparing them, preparing them for such a time as this. But every single promise that God had said was fulfilled. Take that into your own life. If God has promised you something, every promise God has given you will be fulfilled. He's not a man that he should lie. In the New Testament, this is not up there, in 1 Peter 1, chapter, 1, Peter 1 verse 13, there's um, counsel for us. And this is the counsel. Thinking of our time, thinking how the drought has been broken and it's raining when people said that it wasn't going to rain, thinking of the water restrictions we under when actually there's puddles everywhere. It's just praise to the Lord. This is what the Lord says to us in this time. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Guys, prepare our minds for action. There is no more time to just believe what we believe and hide in uh, under a table somewhere. We need to put feet on what we believe and actually speak out and live out what we believe because if people don't hear, they'll never find out. And if we don't actually practice what we preach, we won't strengthen. Do you understand that? Yeah, okay. Be self-controlled. Can I just say something about that? There's a guy, a famous guy, who's come out gay and he's been married 27 years. And God gave me some wisdom I want to share with you. And his daughters are being beautiful to him and his wife is being beautiful to him and his work is being beautiful to him and he is in dealing with the torment in, in him and everything. And the Lord showed me this. I'm going, oh, my goodness, you know, God, here we go. And God said to me, in my eyes, none of that is relevant. He can be... He can be attracted to whoever he's attracted to, whatever, whatever. It's fallen, It's the fallen world. The fact remains that in my sight he's a married man. Think about that. It was a revelation to me. So it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant what his daughters are doing and his work is doing and his wife is doing and his everything. His calling in the Lord is to stay faithful to the covenant that he made to his wife. He's a married man. He's been married for 27 years. He is still married. His wife is still alive. He's a married man. So all of that that he's going through and all his emotions and this and up and down is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that he's married and that's what he's called to be carrying on with. I just wanted to share that with you because I found that quite simple and profound and easy to take on board and go, oh, yeah, that's, we, can, we can handle that. You don't even have to fight the demons in your head. This is the fact. I am married. Deal with it. So I'm attracted here and I'm this, this, and I'm that. That's all part of fallen man. Deal with it. Just deal with it. thought I'd share with that with you. So prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Guys, it's a journey. It lasts our whole life. Jesus is we're either going to come back and we will be taken up with him or we will go to be with him. And that day is a day, a day when the grace of Jesus Christ is revealed to us as we enter into eternal life and our home in heaven. We sang about it this morning. That's what the New Testament tells us. So we're going to go to Joshua chapter 4. All right. Verse 1, we've got a slide. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. Shechem, hard to say, is about 54.7 kilometers north of Jerusalem. 
All right? They'd been there before. They'd gone all around the place and had actually been there before, years and years before. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. That's important. This isn't just a bright idea. We've got to sort this out. How are we going to do this logistically and everything? We are presenting ourselves every moment, every season of our lives before God for the next instruction or for the next revelation or for the establishment of something. We present ourselves before God because we belong to God. All right. This is not on slides. Just listen. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, who is Abraham's dad, and also the dad of Nahor, who is Abraham's brother, they lived beyond the Euphrates River and they worshipped other gods. So they were in the midst of a people worshipping other gods. But God plucked them out of that. Listen to this. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river, that's the Euphrates River, and I led him throughout Canaan. Where's Shechem? Canaan. They started in Canaan, and they went all the way up from where they were at the Ur of Chaldea, which is where Abraham's family were, and they went up through the promised land. They were buying buying stuff along the way and all sorts of things were going was going on. This isn't the first time they've been in the promised land. The promises went way back. I'll just carry on. Okay. Led them I led him through Canaan Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Sire to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Why? Because there was a famine and they'd done the wrong thing by Joseph. Sold him into slavery and then he saved his clan, didn't he? Long story in that. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. Now we're in Egypt, right? And I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there and I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea. Uh, big problem. And the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried out to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. Do you know when Moses was crying out to God with the people when he was at the sea, God actually said to Moses, stop crying out to me, stick your, stick your um, scepter out, your stick out, your staff out. And the waters will divide. So there comes a time in our life where we don't cry out anymore. We act with the authority that God has given us. I just have to say this. You look at that. that you look at that encounter. The people are crying. Oh, no, no. But he said to Moses, "Ah, uh-uh, that's enough. Stick your scepter out, and the waters will divide." And guess what? The waters did divide. This is the life we're living now. Some of us need to hear this. Stick your scepter. Take the authority that the Lord has given you. And declare by faith what the Lord is saying. All right. So I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you and you took possession of their land. And when Balak, son of Zippor, he was like a prophety guy and he was known to be someone who was a bit of a prophety guy. He, the king of Moab prepared to fight against Israel. He sent for this dude and he put to put a curse on you. 
but I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Go and check out that story. He tried to curse them, and he said, I've got to just find out what God says. I can't say anything that God isn't saying. And every time, three times, he was, he was given a more opportunity to get more rewards. Three times, he just blessed Israel. They were furious with him. But God would not let Israel be cursed. I'm telling you now, you are not under a curse. I don't care where you go or what you do. If you're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no curse that can stick to you. In fact, the Bible, there's a proverb that says it's like a fluttering um, sparrow or a darting swallow that no undeserved curse can actually come to rest on you. And it cannot come to rest on you because you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing of ourselves, but because we are redeemed by the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. And it couldn't stick to Israel because they were called and they were God's people. The same is for us today. Okay. Then you crossed the Jordan, that's the river, and came to Jericho. Another problem. Big fat walls around Jericho. Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. A bit intimidating? Yeah. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. I looked up about this hornet thing, and you know what? The Bible actually talks about hornets. You know how Africa's got a locust plague at the moment, and it's just awful, and God actually put locusts into Egypt at one point? Well, he's well able to bring the hornet as well. I thought that was interesting, because I was expecting it to be some kind of like a metaphor or something. It's like there's no reason not to believe that it was actually hornets that God sent, which would have ravaged them. Yeah, would have just completely stopped them in their tracks dealing with this. Okay, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Jesus has given us a kingdom that we did not build. He's given us eternal life that we did not earn. We are the same today. Everything is relational with God and trusting him by faith. It's exactly the same today. The Lord has given us a home. He's given us a kingdom. He's given us hope. He's given us his covenant. He's given us himself. We have never, ever done anything to deserve or work for that. It is a gift, and it's exactly the same here. These people didn't stand a chance about the hordes and the clans and the tribes and the nations that they had to get through. They didn't stand a chance against these people, but God gave it to them. He promised it to them and he gave it to them. took a while, but he gave it to them. Now, he says, I've got a slide for this one, slide four. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Another aside, I heard somewhere that someone had, oh, John McEnroe, the tennis player, I was reading about, I was watching, sorry, a video about him saying, this is ridiculous, these things that people are talking about 2,000 years ago, and he was brought up in a church, and it was all about guilt. And I thought about that, and then immediately, because of our tradition, you go, oh, yeah, that's the problem. People think it's all about guilt, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, yeah, well, it is. Just saying, Jesus actually dealt with our guilt. and you don't know God, you're going to hell. And and that is because you're guilty of sin. So actually, it is all about guilt. It's about being saved from our guilt. Do you know what I'm saying? But we've been deceived to think, oh no, guilt, guilt, guilt's a 
dirty word. Don't talk about guilt. The church can't have anything to do about guilt. I tell you what, if we didn't know we were guilty, we wouldn't be saved. Yes. Oh, isn't it wonderful? The Lord is just showing us such simple things that make us stand on the rock of Jesus and not be blown over because it is straightforward, guys. God's yes is yes and his no is no. And we're so safe in him, you know. It's not complicated. We don't have to be a philosopher and have three degrees. we just got to know him and listen to him. And he will show us. Because in my heart, I was thinking, oh, that's not good. And he's going, no, yes, it is. (laughs) That's very good, Emma. (laughs) That's how you got saved. Oh, oh, yeah. Tell you how easily am I deceived. Can you see? He's pretty good to us. Okay. All right, he says, now serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river, that's the Euphrates River, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, always a choice, right? Not forcing, God doesn't force us to do anything. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. So they're among people who are serving all these other false gods. Choose what you want to do. And then he says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that family that we prayed for, if you listen, they put a letter out. They, Their highest calling, they said, was to bring their children up to know the Lord. Yeah. That's what they said. To know the Lord, that was their highest calling, that their family would walk with the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord unapologetically. We will serve the Lord. He is our maker, our saviour, our father. Yeah. Then the people answered, oh, far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. Let me tell you, along the way, the generation before them complained and complained and complained so much that they, none of them are actually in this group. They all died along the way. This is the next generation down. And sometimes it skips a generation. You know what I'm saying? But you know what, mate? Let's make it that our generation is the generation that is serving the Lord, not have to wait for the next generation. Today's the day. We're alive today. Okay. And he protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So they sound very confident, but watch this. Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. This is so sobering, but it's so encouraging. You know, oh yeah, I'll get saved, I'll do this. You've got to live this. It's all very well making a thousand promises. Remember Peter when Jesus was going to be crucified and was there? I'll never, I will never deny you, God. Jesus said to him, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me not once, buddy. You're going to deny me three times. Now, never. Guess what he did? And Jesus turned around and looked at him and he burst into tears. It's like I did. I just, I, I did that. God knows that we're weak. God knows, you know, that we... We make big boasts, come up with very little sometimes, that that is often the, often, often the case. Joshua is just bringing these people to account and he's saying, oh, he's a holy God, he's a jealous God. He'll not forgive your rebellion and your sins. You can't live like the devil and pretend that you know God, okay? If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, 
He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. You cannot live on yesterday's manna. Yesterday's manna has gone stinky and rotten. You read about that in the Bible. It's no good to eat. You've got to live in the moment and for today. My saviour is my saviour for this moment that I'm standing here, for this moment we're sitting here, for this moment that our kids are learning out there, for this moment that this beautiful rain is falling down. This is the moment that we've got. It is for now. I can't live on a testimony that I got years ago that was amazing. It was amazing and it's part of my story, but it's not my salvation today. Jesus is my salvation for this day that I'm living today. Okay, easy? All right. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn, bring disaster on you, and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you witnesses against yourself, yourselves, that you have chosen to serve the Lord. He's being dead serious. He's going, guys, this is a serious moment. We're thinking about this. We're deciding in our hearts this is a big deal. Okay, yes, they say, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away. Remember he said before, get rid of the foreign gods. You're living among the Amorites. There's foreign gods here among us and everything. And so now he comes back to that and he says, okay, now then, and it says that, now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. Yes, I agree with you, Jody. Wow. God knows everything, people. He knows everything. I can go, eh, 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 and sound wonderful. He knows everything about me to the core of my being. But he also knows if I really want him. And I would suggest that us in this room today are people that really want him. So he then counsels us. So what you guys have got to do is get rid of the, for- of the foreign gods because you can't hear me straight. You can't worship me properly. You know, we can't work together properly because I don't share myself with anyone. I'm holy. You belong to me and you marry to me alone. Yeah. All right. And then he says, and you yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. There's the bottom line. He wants my heart. He wants the whole of my heart. He wants my desires and my will. Failing along the way, sinning along the way, always able to come back to God, giving him my will and my desire and my love and my trust which can, you can interchange that sort of a little bit with faith. I trust him. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. They're saying we will hear his voice and we will obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Sechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone, set it up there under the oak near the holy place, of the Lord, near the sanctuary where they were to worship God. They weren't even to worship God willy-nilly everywhere. There was a place where they came and they sacrificed and they worshipped to God in respect for God to do it his way. All right, where God's presence was. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God or if you deny your God. Now, that seems funny, but sometimes we need to do that so that we have reminders. So that if there's something, it's not necessarily a stone, it's something that there is a marker in our life where we go, you know what, that was my covenant. I thought when I read, when I was reading this and studying it, I thought of our tradition of a wedding ring. 
You know that many of us, not everybody, but many of us share wedding rings when we get married. And you can look at that ring and people will look and they will know you're married. <laughs> or I can look at that ring and know that I am married. I have actually put that on me and it's something that marks me as being married. And it's that same sort of thing. There was a, a stone there that was just a marker to say, we've decided. We've drawn a line in the sand. We've decided we're going to know our God. Okay, I'm nearly finished. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. The land was parceled out beautifully, perfectly. There were two and a half tribes that were on, looking at the map, that were on this side of the Jordan that said we really like this land, but they had fought on the other side of Jordan for all their brothers and sisters, for all the other tribes. They had come to a place where that was done and dusted, and Joshua and the elders and the leaders said, right, guys, you can go back to your inherited land now because you helped the others. There's a story to that as well, but we won't go into that today. Okay. He sent the people away to their own inheritance. And after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, may this be our testimony, guys, finished, did everything God had asked him to do. Tired, finished, perfectly done. He died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath, Sirah, I can't say that, okay, but I'm just saying it how it's spelt, in the hill country of Ephraim, which was north of Mount Gosh. That city, when they were parceling out the land, Israel, the leaders, said to Joshua that they wanted to give him a city. That's the one he chose. And he is buried in the city, his inheritance from the Lord that he chose. Isn't that beautiful? That is a great ending to a life, isn't it? All right, in heaven with God, with his bones there. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Our life in God is the, the, the essential ingredient is that we experience the presence of Jesus. I'm not talking about emotions and feelings, but that experientially through faith, we walk through life in the presence and power of God and experience him as Lord and Savior of our lives, just like that family is doing in their dark day right now. And we do it in our high times, just as our prime minister, I'm trusting and hoping, is doing it as he's trying to lead our nation. I'm saying these things practically, just as I am doing that as I am standing here today in this stage of my life, all right? It is long as we experience everything the Lord has done for us and those are the people that serve the Lord. And Joseph's bones, do you remember Joseph? He was in Egypt and he knew God promised them this land and he said, you know what, when I die, can you please take my bones with you? Because God is going to give you the land, the land that they'd been in Canaan before, that his ancestors had been in. And guess what? Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, they were buried at Sheshem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a 100 pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, who was the father of Sheshem, Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. Joseph, years and years, sorry, Jacob, years and years and years before, had pitched his tent here. He'd build an altar there. This is years before, before they did their 40-year running around all over the show and getting out of Egypt, right? This is when they'd first come up, when Abraham came up and, you know, from those descendants, okay? He had built an altar there, and he, at the altar he had called 
God, the God of Israel. Mighty is the God of Israel. And that's where Joseph's bones were buried. Isn't that amazing? Back in all the fullness of time with the promises of God fulfilled. I think that's stunning stuff. So I just want to finish by reading a couple of scriptures from the New Testament now. And um, here we go. In the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12, this is thinking Jesus now, right? Jesus on the earth walking around and everything. The chief priests and the Pharisees had sent temple guards and they were supposed to be arresting Jesus. And these guards were listening to what he was talking about. He had been late getting to a feast. I won't go into the different feasts, but this is an annual feast and it's the Feast of Tabernacles. It was in Jerusalem, so they had to go to the capital. Jesus went there late. And at the end of this feast, the temple gods, they went back to the chief priests and they didn't arrest him. And they got into terrible trouble. And their excuse was that no one has ever spoken the way this man does. Jesus got to them. This is the kind of thing that Jesus said. When Jesus spoke again to the people, this was at this feast, so these, these... temple gods would have heard this he said this i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life do you know when you walk in the light things are possible because you can see where you are going jesus is that light Right back in the book of Joshua was exactly the same. same. While ever they walked in the light with God Almighty, enemies were conquered and promises were fulfilled. And God took them on a long journey through their rebellion and false gods and every other thing to bring them to a place where in this little slice of time, they surrendered themselves to God wholly. That is our place today, to surrender ourselves wholly today to Jesus, the light of the world. Follow him and we never walk in darkness. Last last one of scripture I want to actually just say, actually speak out. Jesus speaking to unbelieving Jews, to people who really don't believe him much. And this is another feast. It's the Feast of Dedication. It's at Jerusalem. So it's back in the capital where there's a lot of people gathered. This is John chapter 10. And he says this to encourage us. Please be encouraged today because this is you. If you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, this is you. He says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them, it's a gift, guys, eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are One, there is no curse, no weapon, nothing formed against you or any other person who is walking with the Lord Jesus Christ that can conquer us or take us out because we are living in the light and eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God for his amazing love. So... I think we should share communion.